Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. So, so Northlanders, to wrap up the story we were ending our number two with, the EV uh, chargers installed all across America. Thousands and thousands of, what did they say in the story here? Uh, 500,000 EV electric chargers installed all across America so that all the electrical cars will have plenty of charger plug-ins. Now, we don't know where all the power is going to come from from all those those cars, but, but we're going to have the chargers. And, as Joe Biden said, made in America, Biden said in his State of the Union. I mean it, made in America, except that, then on Friday, they waived the Made in America portion, even though the steel workers didn't want that to happen. The U.S. Steel Companies, trade associations, and unions who wanted these to be American jobs, they didn't want to see that happen. The agency also rejected arguments that it was going against the intent of Congress by allowing non-U.S. EV chargers to be used and insisted that the waiver would encourage more domestic ramp up their production. In other words, the worship of EV is much more important than the American jobs. This waiver is uh, being issued in the basis of its consistency with the public interest. Sticking to the domestic content requirements in the law would be inconsistent with the public interest. Boy, does that sound like that old that old song, huh? Ooh, I love to sidestep. Under the waiver, the EV chargers, not made in the U.S., can be used to support the administration's goal of installing 500,000 chargers by 2030 if they are assembled in the United States. <laughs> that would be allowed for more than a year, starting from when the regulations take effect next month through June 30th of 2024. In other words, even though they're not U.S.-made chargers, as long as they're assembled in the United States, we're going to consider them U.S.-made chargers. After that, EV chargers will still be permitted if they are assembled in the U.S. and if 55% or more of the components used in EV chargers are produced in the U.S. So, in other words, we're hedging every time we turn around. Uh, the second phase of the Buy America waiver will remain in place for five years, but also said it has the right to terminate it early if it wants. The waiver do, go, goes against the stated intention of President Biden and the various laws, usually supported by Democrats. Uh, if you remember back in 2021, Biden issued an executive order on ensuring the future is made in all of America by all of America's workers. Well, pre-existing law already includes, excuse me, already includes a Buy America requirement and similar language was included in the infrastructure law that Democrats in Congress pushed. The companies and groups opposed to the waiver include Nucor Corporation, the Steel Manufacturers Association, the United States Steel Workers, the American Iron and Steel Institute, and the Alliance for American Manufacturing, and the AFL-CIO. Now, all of those organizations want to see this Made in America clause, like Biden had said. It's going to be Made in America, and I mean it. Except that I'm going to wave a little bit, and if you can't get it done, I'm going to put a waiver in place, and blah, blah, blah. Well, so we'll see how that how that all comes out in the long run. Anyway, um, 
So are you aware, Northlanders, especially those of you in Wisconsin, that you have an election tomorrow? Did you know that? (laughs) You're thinking, wait a minute. Uh, What happened to the November elections? Didn't we have an election in November? Well, there's an election tomorrow, a a primary election for Wisconsin State Supreme Court judges. Currently, there has been a little bit of a conservative tilt on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which has given Republicans victories on voting restrictions, gerrymandering districts, and other high-stake cases. But voters now have a chance to tip that balance or towards the left or keep it in place and maybe have it more meaningful for legislation, uh, for abortion rights, and perhaps the outcome of the 2024 presidential election. Tuesday's primary election in Wisconsin features two conservative judge candidates and two liberal judge candidates for the seat of retiring conservative justice. The top two finalists advance to the April 4th general election. The campaign could break national spending records if a conservative and liberal make it through the primary with issues such as abortion, fate of legislative mats, union rights, and etc., etc. Now, I'll tell you who the candidates are. First of all, the conservative candidates running on the conservative side. Now, remember, this is a Nonpartisan election. Supreme Court judges are not supposed to be Republican or Democrat. But I will tell you this. There are two conservative candidates running, and they are um, Supreme Court Justice, former Supreme Court Justice Dan Kelly and Waukesha County Circuit Judge Jennifer Dara. Dorow, Dorow, D-O-R-O-W, Dorow, Row, Dorow. The the liberals on the uh, Milwaukee are the Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Janet Prostowski and Dane County Circuit Judge Everett Mitchell. Now I'll tell you a little bit about these people. Dorow uh, became nationally known. This uh, Jennifer Dorow. Uh, after presiding over the trial of Daryl Brooks Jr., remember he's the guy that uh, on at the Christmas parade uh, ran his car through, killing six people when he drove his uh, his uh, SUV through a Christmas parade in 2021. Well, she oversaw that uh, and, and got him convicted and locked away for a long, long time. Um, so anyway, he is she is one of the judges that's up there. That's Jennifer. Doro, she is a conservative. The other Supreme Court conservative, or the person up for it, is Dan Kelly. Now, uh, and then the then the other two are are both very left leaning. Uh, their ads support abortion rights and focuses things like that. So, so get out and vote tomorrow. And if you want to see. Uh, Wisconsin continue to be a state that uses some common sense, then you'll vote uh, to see the conservative candidates in that Supreme Court justice office, which they are now. The candidate that they're uh, running to replace has been a uh, uh, has been a conservative candidate. It's uh, it was retiring Justice uh, 
pa- Patrice Rags, Rags, Ragensock, I think is the name. Uh, and so that's who they're, who they're uh, trying to replace. And as I said, again, there are two conservatives. Now you vote for two of these four. The two conservatives are Dan Kelly and Jennifer Dorau. And the liberals are the other two candidates, Janice Pratowitz and Daniel, uh, or I'm sorry, Judge Everett Mitchell. So there's kind of a, as the Minneapolis paper put it, there's kind of a political quake rumbling next door to Minnesota in Wisconsin. That has been a conservative position till now. And if it switches over, if enough uh, liberals get out and vote tomorrow, that could turn that position and make it very difficult uh, for some of the conservatives to get things accomplished like voter ID and things like that in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and as I said, uh, some of these candidates like uh, uh, Dorau is uh, nationally known for presiding over the Daryl Brooks trial and getting him locked away for a long, long time after he took his uh, vehicle and ran down and killed people. Um, the campaign would break national spending records if you ended up probably with a liberal and a conservative both um, splitting those votes. So um, Dan has uh, vowed not to back uh, Judge Jennifer Doro if she wins. So he must all he, he we must all get out to vote for our guys or they could be left out of the final by two lefties. So, um, you know, that's what they're saying from the Wisconsin uh, Conservative uh, Party of Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin Conservative Digest is saying uh, you got to get out and vote for uh, the two uh, two Democrat or the two conservative parties on that uh, general election or the primary election tomorrow. So that is uh, that's going to happen tomorrow, the 21st. As I said earlier in the show, and I don't mean to be redundant here, but I think it needs to be reemphasized again, that Rick Scott, the uh, the one senator that had been pushing for changes in Social Security and Medicare on the Republican side, has now uh, come up against the hard fact that he has no support from anybody else on the Republican ticket, and so he is now uh, he's now saying that. Uh, uh, Social Security and Medicare are off the table completely. Florida's junior senator said Friday that while he thinks most federal legislation should have to go through this process, he believes in in specific exemptions for Social Security, Medicare, National Security veterans benefits, and other essential services. Scott's original idea was to require the regular renewal of federal programs, all federal programs, as part of his Rescue America plan, and he wanted them all to be reviewed and reconsidered every four years, Uh, but he has uh, now realized that he has no support from any other Republicans. Uh, He blamed Democrats for spreading a disingenuous lie about his plan and McConnell for participating in a gotcha politics, but he has withdrawn uh, those Social Security and Medicare from uh, being reconsidered. And uh, so we don't, uh, that is not an issue anymore when they're reevaluating the uh, the whole operation as far as uh, whether we're going to continue to fund the government or not past, past the June uh, drop-dead period. And anyway, as, as, we, uh, as we look at some of the other things that are happening around uh, 
Joe Biden tried to uh, this was this was kind of interesting. I had to laugh at this. Joe Biden tried to attack Senator Ron Johnson from down here in the state of Florida uh, and it backfired against him. And you know what? I'll tell you about it when we come back after this first break. So be prepared for that when we come back right after this. Your Twin Ports home for UMD Bulldog Hockey. Shot score! UMD! KDAL. KDAL time is 126 UMD Hockey. This weekend, uh, we're going to host Miami of Ohio Friday, uh, February 24th. A 7 o'clock drop of the puck on Friday and then 8.30 drop of the puck on Saturday. Of course, Bruce Siski with the call. Saturday is Senior Day. UMD and Miami this weekend. Uh, Bulldogs split with Denver over the weekend. Nice win. Oh, they win. did split. They okay. did. Nice okay. win on Saturday, 6-5. to five. They had, I believe, a three-goal lead, 5-2 to two lead in that game and held on for a 6-5 to five win. So a split over Denver in Denver. Hey, not a bad weekend. Boy, we had a we had a nice week weekend for the Wild too. They won two big games, beating uh, Dallas on Friday, and then Sunday they beat uh, the Predators or not Predators, yeah, but, yeah, National, National Predators. Predators, yeah, two big wins. Uh, hey, Brad, this just I saw this on the Wire report: Packers done with Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers' days with the Green Bay Packers are numbered. That's according to Bob McGinn, who joined Tyler Dunn on the goal long. TD podcast. The veteran Packers reporter said they are done with Rodgers. He's not coming back. I mean, they're disgusted with him and they're done with him. McGinn was speaking on information he gathered from discussions with someone who has firsthand knowledge of the Packers. Rodgers is wrapping up a four-day darkness retreat and expects (laughs) to have a clearer decision on his NFL future once he emerges. This guy is crazy, isn't he, Rogers? He's, well, he's a little <laughs> off the bubble, I think. I don't know. I, I, I think his, I'm beginning to think his days in Green Bay are numbered. It's sad that it would end this way, but uh, is Jordan Love ready well, for the yeah. for the big show to carry this team? And well, I think so. Did you see who the big uh, possibility was that is really interested in Rogers? Who? Who do you think? has been trying to win the Super Bowl for four or five years, really wants to, got close a couple times, but just has not been able to. And they got an owner that gets fanatical about winning. Oh, who's that? The Dallas Cowboys. Well, and they've got a coach that used to coach Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Absolutely. mm, Absolutely. mm. Aaron Rodgers in the Big D? Come on. In the Big D. No way. That was the word on the street this morning. Big story, in fact that uh, Dallas Cowboys would really like to have him, and they figured that that would almost assure them of a shot. And it looks like they're getting, they're cutting their ties with Ezekiel Elliott to the... The running back? Of, uh, yeah, running well, back. Well, what about the QB they been... have? Dak Prescott. Well, I don't know. They didn't say much about that in there, but... <laughs> Interesting. They said the owner, Jerry Johnson, is really interested in Rodgers. Well, whatever it takes, Jerry's the kind of guy that'll open up his wallet, and I know Mike McCarthy would love to have him there. But I also know that the New York Jets were a landing spot, a possible landing spot for Rogers. So who knows? Yeah. Well, anyway, we're uh, just about to that point on our CBS News break, but I do want to get into this story about Biden because Biden got kicked when he was going to go out. Uh, got kicked? Who kicked is, him? Well, DeSantis kind of gave him a little nudge, a little. <laughs> A little boot in the butt. Oh. Uh, 
what happened was Biden wanted to go after DeSantis. He looks at DeSantis as potentially being a competitor for him if he decides to run next year for president or two years from now for president. So DeSantis had claimed, uh, well, what 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 it worked out for was DeSantis was uh, uh, was against a program that they had down here in Florida that uh, taught uh, African-American studies in colleges. And he said it was an indoctrination program. DeSantis did. He said it was a it was nothing more than an indoctrination. and It was a lot of misinformation. Well, Biden came out and said uh, the president claimed that unlike DeSantis, he believed that students should have access to any class they want. Well, <laughs> that jumped up and bit Biden right in the backside because all of a sudden everybody that is for open enrollment, especially in high schools, school choice, they said, oh, we're so glad to see that uh, that uh, President Biden has come on our side and is supporting school choice movement. <laughs> well, that wasn't the case at all. The, the conservative political organization FreedomWorks tweeted, Biden doesn't know it, but he just endorsed school choice. John Arguello, a member of the Ocala uh, County School Board in Florida, echoed the statement writing, thank you for your endorsement of school choice. Finally, we agree on something. Welcome to the educational freedom movement, Mr. President. Yeah, that's not what he wanted to do at all. But in essence, that's so it, it jumped back and bit him a little bit. Anyway, let's take our CBS news break, and then we'll come back with more here on the Monday edition of Sound Off right here on 610 KDAL. KDAL time is 136, 23 degrees, light snow at Duluth Sky Harbor Airport. Winter weather advisory in effect till 9 p.m. tonight here in the Twin Ports. Also the Iron Range where it's currently light snow and 21 in Eveleth. And again, a winter weather advisory tonight until 9 p.m. Tonight now it's going to dip down below zero for ports, uh, parts of the Iron Range. Uh, Hayward, Sawyer County, currently 23 in light snow. Again, a winter weather advisory there. And they're going to see cold uh, temperatures tonight in the single digits as will the Twin Ports, and uh, we're going to uh, get through this, Brad, and then uh, we're going to see some cold temperatures. Uh, we're going to see a very cold air mass move in behind this system and might be some wind chills that will get down to minus 25 or 30 below, so stay <laughs> tuned for that. And then we're going to see more snow come in. Another storm is going to make its way in that could uh, bring some blizzard conditions to portions of our listening area, so... Stay tuned. Are you telling me that winter is not over yet? Not until March 1st. That's the first day of the first month of spring. Yes. And then it'll be all gone. Oh, winter yeah, be it'll gone. be all over. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny because right. I had, the, you know, the ice dams on my roof, and I've got the one roof on my house that faces uh, to the southeast, kind of. But uh, all the ice and snow that was up there is gone. Had melted. It had yeah. melted. Well, yeah, it's going to build up now well, again. Because you but... get that sun. You get that sun directly on it, and that really makes a big difference. Well, Kenny, uh, more and more people are starting, especially those living over in the uh, East Palestine area of Ohio, are really starting to get some distrust for the U.S. government. Um, during uh, Thursday's visit uh, of a fiery train derailment that may have poisoned a small eastern Ohio town with a range of highly toxic chemicals, the Environmental Protection Agency chief Michael Reagan told residents all families need to know that they are safe. But Reagan's words, along with those from Ohio Governor Mike DeWine 
and uh, Norfolk Southern Railway officials have been of little comfort to some of them, including Jamie Koza. Uh, Jamie said after after evacuating for days after the three uh, the three February derailment that she was told it was safe to return home, but a chemical odor still lingers in her flat. She urged a Norfolk Southern official to visit, and the company is now offering to pay for her relocation over safety fears. In other words, uh, yeah, they're willing to say things are safe. But all she had to do was bring up the issue and said for the uh, officials, hey, come to my flat and find out what I'm dealing with. Now they've decided to pay for her relocation. Koza noted that East Palestine residents were told that the municipal water was safe to drink, but also advised to buy bottled water, and many have complained of rashes after they showered. Residents were told that they had vinyl chloride to fear Then the list of dangerous chemicals spilled by the train grew. Federal agencies may not release the full list of chemicals for months. Why not? I don't know. Anyway, we're we're finding out more and more that the people of Palestine, Ohio, are are really not uh, that supportive of what they're seeing from the federal government so far. Perhaps some of them may have to contact uh, our legal beagle, Chris Dahlberg, although I know, Chris, you don't handle that kind of legal services, but, boy, you sure do a great job in the Northland for people that are trying to make uh, sense out of uh, the end of life and out of their wills and making sure their families uh, have and keep the issues in their homes and in their uh, in their uh, families that they would like to have things uh, still jumping over at the agency. They are, they're going, they're going well. We're handling a variety of things. We've got some different issues going on, you know, property disputes. We're doing on working on some probate, working on a lot of estate planning, you know, for the listeners, what is, what is estate planning? Well, that means getting your affairs in order, like getting your will done or a trust, doing your power of attorney. That's making the financial decisions. Let's say down the road, you have Alzheimer's or dementia. Who's going to handle sure. your finances for you? Or let's say you're in an, uh, you, there's medical decisions to be made and you're not competent to make them. Who's going to make that? So you'd rather have those in place ahead of time because if you wait till the last minute, what's going to happen is your family's going to have to petition for things like called a guardianship conservatorship, which is not only a lot of money, but it's a hassle for your family. So there's yeah. real simple steps you can take. Call the Dahlberg Law Office. Uh, we'll help people. And the number is 218 218- Seven two two five eight zero nine two one eight seven two two five eight zero nine. And you know, call us right now because you know it's it's snowing out. We still got this a lousy Minnesota weather before it gets nice out. <laughs> so before spring or summer comes, this is the time to do it because you don't want to come in on a nice summer day. The few we have and and have to do your state planning. Better to do it now. In other words, call now before June or July, right? Exactly. <laughs> And plus, I'm going for a little trip in July, June and July, so it's a good time now. Absolutely. Good, so the number is good thinking. Yeah, 218-722-5809. And remember, Chris is licensed in both Minnesota and Wisconsin, so whichever state you're in, he can help you out with a lot of those issues. So thank, thank you, you Chris. Appreciate that. You betcha. Boy, I'm looking out the window here of the uh, KDAL studio. Snow's coming down pretty good, Brad. Starting to get there. Streets are. What have we got? Maybe an inch and a half so far, or something. At least, at least it started this morning. There was a little lull 
in the snow uh, snowfalls. As a matter of fact, we saw the sun kind of break out. It got kind of bright, and we thought, oh, well, maybe this isn't going to be so bad. Well, we got to trust in our forecasters, and they're right on the money. And again, this winter weather advisory is in effect until 9 p.m. tonight. Did Look, you? Uh, I, I, I would. I would like to just reemphasize something that Kenny had said earlier. Uh, we've got we got a lot of rain and freezing freezing rain in the Northland last week, and now the snow is covering a lot of this up. So especially if you are a senior with some medical conditions, please be careful out there. Don't think you need to go out and slip sliding around because you're liable to fall and hurt yourself. So take precautions to make sure you know where you're walking and what you're walking on. Yeah, and a lot of that ice is hidden underneath this new fallen snow, and that's what almost got me, man. I'm telling you, I came really close to taking a hard tumble, but... uh... I kept my balance, Brad. I put my hockey skills to use. Whoa. There you go. (laughs) Thought I was at Irving playing boot hockey again with the boys. There you go. So the uh, NASCAR. You can't do that anymore. No, but uh, I was going to say the NASCAR race last night. I watched the end of it, and my goodness, what a race. The longest in the history of the Daytona 500. Really? They, they so they see because I saw a bunch of accidents and I thought, oh no, we got another whole series of accidents. Probably race cut way short, but it wasn't, huh? Well, that's the reason why is because they went into overtime and they ended up racing. Uh, what was it? An additional twelve laps. Oh, that they, that they wouldn't. Uh, yeah, the twelfth lap. And uh, anyways, I, loved it. I didn't even I didn't even know who had won, Kenny. And uh, there was a post on Facebook last night and said, "Wouldn't you know it? In the conditions we're in in this country right now, that the toilet paper car won the race." <laughs> well, I don't know who that is, but Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was that his car? Yep, that's his car, Continental or Co- Continental. Continental yeah, was that his what, car? Yeah, oh, I saw it yeah. out there. Okay, well, good, yeah. good. Um, he won the race, and uh, it was uh, yeah, the two overtimes to push this uh, running race to a record two hundred and twelve laps, and uh, this race, Brad, uh, also uh, where is it here? Here it is. Uh, oh yeah, next up they're going to race in Fontana, California next Sunday. And okay. uh, but one other thing here I wanted to get to was uh, I believe jeez uh, I'll tell you I you lost my way here. You asked me a question about something you had, you had started to say Brad I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah I was going to ask you if you saw the race or not but uh, no here it is here you it is. You know what I did you know what I did watch yesterday Kenny yeah. and I never watch golf I watched the end of the golf. Um, oh I didn't the see any golf of that. tournament. I didn't see any of and, that. Oh, the guy that won it was uh, a guy that has not won that many, but he did win two or three this year already. So he's had a big run. And his wife had brand new baby, and a y- another young child was there. So it's a good time for him to win and get some big money. Good, good. Well, one final thought on NASCAR and the Daytona 500. Action sports star Travis Pastrana finished 11th in his Daytona 500 debut, and Kevin Harvick was 12th in his final Daytona 500. Harvick is retiring at the end of the year. Now tell me about this earlier guy. You were action figure? What is he, like a... He's not a regular driver, and this is his first race? Action sports star um, Travis Pastrana. Okay. Yeah, I'm not so what, sure. what kind of thing does he do? What, action sports? What is that, like skydiving? or? Ooh, that'd be kind of cool. 
Sounds kind of interesting. It sounds like I'm he was uh, uh, he was involved with X Games and uh, motocross triumphs and oh, stuff okay. like that. Uh, okay, some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. but uh, th- that right. was his uh, debut in uh, NASCAR. Uh, pretty cool. He's thirty nine years old. Outstanding. For him to finish in the money like that in his first race, that's pretty pretty good stuff. Well, listen, I've got an interesting story to tell you about after we come back from our Minnesota news break. But let's do that, and uh, then I'll tell you another thing to be worried about in today's, uh, you know, everything else that's going on. So we'll be right back. KDAL time is 1.55. We've got snow falling in the Twin Ports. We've got the music and the guitar playing of the Jay Giles Band. And the Jay Giles oh, Band, Jay Giles. yeah, that was the name of the guitar player, John Warren Giles Jr., born on this day, February 20th in 1946 in New York City. And sadly, we lost Jay Giles uh, at the age of 71 in 2017. Woo! Yeah. Way too early. Way too yeah, early. Yeah, one of my favorites. I love Jay Giles. He was interested I, in I the, like that band. Yeah. Like and, that band and a lot. You know, you, you look into these guys, uh, you know, the world of the Internet gives us uh, any, every detail at our fingertips. He became interested in jazz and blues, and he loved the jazz guitarists of, the, uh, of his era and the era prior to his. Well, uh, Kenny, well, uh, while we were away at this latest Minnesota news break, I had to... Uh, Give my dog nutmeg a little wave goodbye. Uh, her oh. her her uh, uh, her beautician is here <laughs> to take her out front. She, she has a portable. They they come right to our door. They have a portable <laughs> beauty salon for animals, uh. and once a month, nutmeg gets her beauty spa. She gets a bath, her nails trimmed, and uh, all the good stuff done to her. Does she appear to like it? Well, that's hard to know. She seems to like it. But I don't think she likes when they trim her nails, and they do, they always trim her nails. Yeah, and a lot of dogs uh, don't. Yeah, I don't think she likes that. But she loves the bath, and when she's all done, she comes roaring out of there like a gang of fire. Just all right. Crazy. Say, the other thing I was going to tell you about, that another thing we all have to worry about now, now that we got the war raging between uh, Russia and uh, Yugos- or Ukraine, and uh, the potential of China getting more involved. Now, this morning, the International Atomic Inspection Agency is saying that last week they discovered that Iran has accumulated uranium enrichment to a level just shy of what is needed for a nuclear weapon, according to a new report. And, of course, we all know how stable Iran is as far as a country. (laughs) Unnamed senior diplomats told Bloomberg that Iran has accumulated uranium enrichment in 84% purity and a concentration to 6% below what is needed for a thermonuclear weapon, marking the highest level found by inspectors in Iran to date. And, of course, they're not finding this in Iran because Iran's letting them in. No, they're finding it by testing the water and the air in certain areas, sneaking people in to do testing around facilities. Iran had previously told the International Atomic Energy 
uh, agency that had centrifuges were configured to enrich uranium only to 60% of purity. But now we find out they're at 84% purity. So, you know, enrichment of uranium to 84% purity is, uh, it's intentional, it's not accidental, and should simply not be happening, according to the Foundation for Defense of Democracy's senior fellow. Uh, It's in a statement to Fox News Digital. Sunday's report comes as the Iranian regime has faced criticism for its brutal crackdown on anti-government protesters and its military support for Russia in its war against the Ukraine. So, folks, uh, we are just about done here today. Uh, But I want to let you know we're going to watch everything that's going on at the Capitol. And we're going to also watch the race tomorrow over in Wisconsin uh, for state Supreme Court justice. We hope if you're a Wisconsinite, you'll get out and vote tomorrow. And in the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow morning to bring you up to date on everything nationally, regionally, right here on Sound Off 610 KDAL Radio.